Welcome to the Social Currency Podcast with digital marketing experts Jess Jensen and Tuck Ross. With a combined three decades of experience, they'll share thoughts on marketing, digital strategy, and social media to get you current quick. Looking to understand Google Analytics or how to optimize CPC? You're in the wrong place. This podcast drives discussion on digital and social strategy and their fundamental role in building your business strategy. In 30 minutes a week, we'll arm you with key talking points to speak with authority and confidence. Now, let's build your social currency. All right. (laughs) Welcome back to the Social Currency Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Jess Jensen, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, Tuck Ross. How are you, Tuck? Jess, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So today, we are discussing LinkedIn social media platform, sales prospecting tool, a place to find your next job. So many different reasons to go to LinkedIn and what are they wanting to be when they grow up? Let's dig in. Before that, the news, Tuck. The news. All right. Colin Kaepernick. Have you guys seen this Nike ad? If you haven't, you're living under a rock because it's literally everywhere. Whether you're looking at the print version that says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything or even the video ad, um, such a controversial topic. And it's it's really because uh, and just to refresh, even though this seems like it's well known, Colin Kaepernick took a knee during an NFL game uh, to uh, uh, protests, racial injustice, and uh, some of the police brutality that had been happening um, a little while back now. And Nike's actually adopted him as the forerunner, the celebrity uh, figurehead of their new Just Do It campaign. So such an interesting take, uh, a controversial figure for sure, just as he's about to actually go up for these charges. And um, uh, you know, after everything that happened with the NFL, um, an interesting move by Nike to adopt a controversial figure as the head of their new campaign. So, Jess, I'm curious about your thoughts on this because, you know, uh, especially coming from a, a background where you were at Adidas uh, for a bit, what are your thoughts on them taking on um, this angle, especially, uh, you know, as they were looking at last year sales declining and now looking at um, a potential uh, movement of at least 30% in sales? since this ad was introduced. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, So Nike's always been just so strong when it comes to marketing, digital marketing specifically. Uh, I've always admired, even though I worked for their competitor, their their propensity to take risks and to stand for something and have a point of view. So uh, from my perspective, uh, whether you agree politically or not um, with Kaepernick, I think um, this is very strategic. I think Nike is definitely definitely trying to combat some of their um, lackluster sales and the success of Adidas uh, over the last few years, I'm sure, is not making them very happy. So um, I give them a lot of credit just for taking a stand and um, being uh, being smart about who their audience is and what they'll respond to. Yeah, it's interesting, especially even when you look at where the sales drivers are coming from. It's really in that 18 to 29 male base, which they're trying to activate. Um, it's, it's interesting for me to think about, especially as we talk about brands and being uh, communicating, especially in digital spaces, um, taking this and thinking about it, is, is it the time that a brand should consider taking a stance 
on issues, on topics, especially in a supercharged political environment. It's interesting that Nike has. We know that Patagonia and other brands are standing more so in line with uh, their true voice as a brand and making that part of their brand in terms of their statement. Um, this may be something that Nike's starting, right? And, and they really haven't kind of taken positions before. Maybe they're taking a position now. Um, but I think it's a interesting timing, to say the least, um, to introduce this new campaign and demonstrate um, this type of character for their brand, especially since it seems to resonate with their with their core base, as you mentioned. So um, I think one other one other perspective that's interesting is, you know, especially in light of their sales dropping previously, is this a desperate move to create a little shock and awe that that you know splash that needs to happen because we really haven't heard much from Nike in a bit. We really haven't seen them own the market space. We know that things like Jordans were flooding the marketplace in the last year, and they weren't really having the the cachet that they used to. So um, it, it may be a reaction mm-hmm. in somewhat to that. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think it's kind of an interesting take. Yeah. Well, you know, just to connect the dots to the topic uh, at hand today, LinkedIn, you brought up having a point of view, taking a stand. And, you know, in my experience, a lot of the advice and the consult that I've been given around um, thought leadership and specifically executives or some of the folks that may be listening to this podcast, you know, business leaders is to have a point of view. And that's actually what people want to hear is, um, a, a specific uh, perspective, and that might that might be controversial. That might you know alienate uh, or polarize certain audiences, and you have to ask yourself if you're okay with that. Um, so, yeah. So you know, segueing into to LinkedIn um, because that is definitely a place where a lot of thought leadership does occur. Um, I think you know we've talked about Instagram and Facebook, and you know how do you think about those two in conjunction or as you know sister sites? LinkedIn is another one that um, has definitely uh, grown up as sort of this business social network. You know, white collar, highbrow, if you will, certain average household income, um, and a, a place for kind of making business connections. You know, or finding a job. Um, So this niche network that was really a little bit more B2B, a little bit more around the HR angle, socially uh, led, but had kind of a different charter than some of the other ones like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter that we've talked so much about. Um, and it really gained traction because of that focus on on business instead of being, you know, a place for, for news or birthday party photos or, or what have you. So the serious business face, you know, I have always felt like on LinkedIn, I have to, you know, kind of like sit up straighter and like wear a collared shirt. <laughs> Um, but, but I guess the question that we want to talk about today is what, what has it become and kind of what does it want to be when it grows up? So backtracking a little, Microsoft acquired LinkedIn in June of 16. So a little over two years ago. And, you know, I think we believe that they're looking at the LinkedIn platform as sort of their social network. Microsoft doesn't have one, so that's logical. And potentially is kind of at the core of sort of this notion of social business or uh, customer relationship management, CRM, as it's often called. But it feels like... uh, it feels like LinkedIn borrows quite a bit from Facebook. And so this is kind of where it gets confusing. Um, there's there's networking happening. There's jobs being posted. There's certainly 
definitely sales, uh, sales, uh, departments trying to find leads and pitch you on their products. Lord knows you and I can get our fair share of those. Um, but then like we were mentioning earlier, there's thought leadership and executives espousing, you know, long form blogs and, and published articles about their thoughts on, you know, developing nations or, you know, clean water. Um, so I want to dig in in this podcast episode really to what it should be standing for and really what the best use of LinkedIn is as a business owner or as a leader. So WTF talk, what do you think? (laughs) Well, so let's let's like you said, we're in the time machine, right? So back in 2014, uh, Jeff Weiner, who is the CEO, addressed questions on where LinkedIn's going. So they had three crucial strategic initiatives at that time. And I, and I think this is interesting to kind of revisit just to kind of see if they've uh, if they've kind of carried on this path. Um, by the way, this is two years before they got acquired. So first one, identity. They really wanted to be the professional profile of record online. And I feel like they've done that. Um, so if you're looking at this professional record, like you said, you gotta sit up a little bit straighter when you're there. Um, it's the primary p- place where people wanna be known for their career, their reputation. Um, and they want to, this to be the space where people access their record is the single source for who they are this is their professional history and you just look up their LinkedIn profile that's the identity that's step one their second one was networks they really want to connect business people Um, so we saw networking as a whole but whether it's pre-professionals that are coming out of college or whatever sphere into the professional space um, or professionals trying to network with each other, they really wanted to connect this group of over 600 million potential professionals or knowledge workers across the globe um, in a way that made them uh, have a way to connect as a tool. Um, And the third one, is knowledge. So we've got identity, we've got networks, third one, knowledge. And they really wanted to be this definitive professional publishing platform. They've acquired Lydia, they acquired um, SlideShare, right? Which a lot of people don't know that those are actually LinkedIn spaces now. Um, you want to be a global thought leader? They wanted you to publish your content on LinkedIn. And so this was really where they started. This was really their drivers, and and um, and this is where they consolidated. You know, in in 2014, their roadmap, uh, or conceptual mm-hmm. roadmap, as it were. And I, I think that's really interesting to go back to that and say, how are they, how are they doing against that? Are they there? Yeah. Um, and it feels like they're missing the mark on some of these. So, uh, quick story. The other weekend, so this is about a month ago now. Um, I was on the way to the Ed Sheeran concert, uh, <laughs> and. Um, I was Love actually him. waiting for my wife to get done at Dry Bar and was kind of <laughs> hanging out, having a smoothie, um, jumped on my phone. I've got a ridiculous amount of folders where I have everything incredibly organized and I go into my social media folder and I'm going through Instagram and Twitter and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'll check out Facebook even though I'm not there a lot. And then I was like, oh, you know where I really haven't been a lot is LinkedIn. So I jump in and I start scrolling through the feed and I get stuck on this, this uh, yoga video. So I kind of do yoga, right? I like yoga and I'm watching this woman do yoga and I was like, I got distracted to the point like, uh, am I on Instagram? Am I on Facebook? Am I on LinkedIn? It was it was weird. It didn't feel like it belonged. And so yeah. I reacted and I took about a minute to record this video saying, WTF, LinkedIn, what are you? What are you becoming? Um, they've spent a lot of time kind of talking the talk and Microsoft acquires them and they talk about them as a CRM and yet all these features they're introducing, video stickers, GIFs 
as comments, photos as comments are really much more Facebook, even Snapchat-like in terms of nature, mm -hmm. and in some ways alien to the audience that's there, which are really business professionals. And so, you know, you go back to these three points, Microsoft is talking about these things and adding in Microsoft Word integrations for resume builders and these other networking features. Um, and I don't see it quite connecting the dots. I was in an event last week and you and I were talking about this. One of the things I heard actually from someone who worked close with LinkedIn is that they're deprioritizing focus on LinkedIn Plus, which is their major content publishing platform, right? This is where they're publishing, professionals can publish articles, businesses, companies, and a lot of people have, have poured their content into this with significant effort, and now they're switching to video, right? Who's not switching to video? We've talked about this, video strategy, having your things set together. Yeah. So LinkedIn, they hear everybody's doing video, let's do video. It kind of feels like they're just doing a little bit of this me too, focusing yeah. on that consumer angle um, with all these different cute little features that are much more consumer in nature than actually potentially providing more business value as a tool. So for me, I was honestly confused about this. What does LinkedIn want to be? Why are people here? Is there value? Is it worth paying for? And to your point, what does it want to be when it grows up? So I dropped this question to LinkedIn. What is going on? And this thing actually goes pretty viral. So it's actually over 51,000 views right now. There's over 350 comments, 350 likes on it, and a very vivid, lively discussion about who is finding value here and is it meaningful to people the way it once was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read through that dialogue and I was surprised at how passionate people were um, around LinkedIn, because to your point, I've gone through large periods of time where I, I really didn't spend much time on it. It's funny, just in the last six months I have, and I think honestly, it's just by virtue of me uh, accidentally setting my notifications to be different than they once were. So I get like notified <laughs> far more than I used to about LinkedIn and it's working. I'm totally susceptible to that. And so I go in there and check out what the notifications are. But um, yeah, to your point about, you know, de kind of deprioritizing some of the publishing components, which just personally, that I think would be a huge disappointment to me. I've used them to house a lot of the articles that I've provided quotes or I've written myself and gotten published over the years because, you know, frankly, it's just, it's easy. The UI is super simple. It's all part of my resume anyway. It just made sense to put it together in one spot. So um, I'm sure I'm not alone. That would be, I think, a, a bummer if they decommission that publishing aspect of, of your profile. And then this notion of kind of being this fast follower now we need to do native video and now we're going to add sticker in my in my opinion and in my experience with digital linkedin's kind of always been a bit of a fast follower um, often Facebook and now Instagram sort of take the first position and try new things. And, and obviously they borrowed from Snapchat, Twitter then, and then LinkedIn's kind of, you know, the, the, you know, like the younger brother kind of chasing behind. So no, I mean, it's all good. Like everyone just, everyone's roadmap is different, but, um, I do kind of wish that they would not be perhaps such a jump on the bandwagon and kind of, uh, kind of be who you are and be proud of that. So, um, so I think one thing that's worth just discussing is the macro of, you know, who is actually on LinkedIn and perhaps, uh, you know, what are they spending time doing? Because obviously you want to look at your audience first and then kind of reverse engineer from that, um, to a degree what your strategy should be. So right now they're, 
There are about 500 million, over 500 million users, so not too shabby. Um, There are 133 million people from the U.S., which that's interesting to me because that tells me, I mean, this is the same as the other social platforms. But again, U.S. is the minority. It's largely a rest of world Mm. play. Um, And they're available in 200 countries. And this is worth noting. Again, folks listening might might not all be aware of this. LinkedIn is the only social platform rooted in the U.S., I should say, that is available in China. So... That's impressive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've been able to escape the regulation yeah. and, uh, and other things, probably because it's a little bit more professional, right? They're not trying to do uh, the everything and be all. That, I think that's right. And I think that their positioning, at least earlier on, of it being more of a job hunting kind of, you know, matchmaking mm. with the HR hat on, I think that probably felt different, I'm guessing, to the, I'm not going to speak for the Chinese government, but that probably felt a little different than some of the approaches that the other social platforms took. So you can actually access, you can buy paid media, you can do all the same things you can hear um, in China on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's probably like nine nine hundred thousand job postings for you know twenty four hour a day jobs at Foxconn. Right, That's probably what right. it is, honestly. Yes. You know, let's be let's be real. <laughs> Thank you, Apple. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so this is check this out. So forty percent of the people, this is pretty stunning, use LinkedIn daily. And again, sounds like you and I were in the same boat up until recently. I I would kind of go in, update, refresh, you know, my profile once every. I don't know, six months. And honestly, that was about all I did. But the last half a year, I definitely have been more engaged. I I wouldn't say I'm on there every day, but almost. And lots of times it's reading articles. I, you know, Ariana Huffington or, um, you know, various other CEOs I think are interesting, Richard Branson. You know, I, I read a fair amount of their longer form content on LinkedIn. Yeah, you know, I think the the engagement point's interesting because if you go back to these three points we talked about in the beginning, identity especially, how often do you actually have to refresh that? I mean, maybe when you're changing jobs, maybe not, but one of their core tenants of three is a very static, non-engaging effort. Um, Content publishing is their third one, and we know that about 1% of total audience is a publishing set, like actually promotes and is actually writing, is actually creating video. Um, And so if you look at that 1% that's actually helping communicate and share outbound, that's a very small percentage of audience. So really what you have left of the original roadmap that may be driving engagement is that networking piece. And maybe that's what this 40% is doing daily. It's kind of interesting, but, but, but maybe that's also why they're modifying their roadmap. Yeah, I, yeah, that's crazy. 1% are content creators on, on LinkedIn. That's tiny. Well, I think that's my general rule is like, it's it's usually uh, the, the 99-1. So 90% consume, 9% actually comment or share or like, 1% yeah. actually create. Uh, it's kind of yeah. a general content rule I've always followed. That's great. So no longer is it 80-20. It's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, okay. So speaking of who's on there, and this surprised me too, because I tend to think of it as a bit more of an older, um, kind of more mature space, just again, because of their professional kind of moniker, 15% um, of their audience are millennials. And again, the word, I get this, the word millennial is just so like a whole episode should just be about that word. Like it's millennials are not 20. I mean, millennials are running 
most of Silicon Valley. Like, let's just remember who we're talking about. So um, the, there are millennials on LinkedIn and it shouldn't be that surprising because they're well into their 30s in the workforce, you know, running teams. They are leaders um, in their own right. Um, but it, it is just a reminder that there's a nice kind of swath of ages that that spend time there. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with all of the active the active job listings on the platform. Uh, I know we used to think about Monster and Indeed and Glassdoor. I, you know, that's still around. I think of that more as a salary kind of aggregator. But, you know, I don't know how much traffic those guys are getting compared to LinkedIn. I mean, I, I, for example, I'm going to have a job opening in a couple weeks that I'm going to need help finding someone for. So ping me if you're interested. Um, but uh, I'm, you know, of course I would have HR put it on LinkedIn. And if they didn't, I'll probably share it for my own network as well, right? That's definitely a place I'd go um, to find candidates. So, so more, a few more demographics. 44% of LinkedIn users earn more than $75,000 a year. So household income of 75K or more. And that's often used in a lot of... Um, the press and sort of articles um, as kind of a marker for being, you know, financially capable or being able to live a pretty darn good life in most of the U.S. Um, so again, that kind of white collar business network is probably who we're going to find, and that's probably what most of us would expect there. Um, this one's kind of fun. Forty-one percent of millionaires use LinkedIn. Um, mm, so impressive, right? I know. Um, so interesting stat, like we don't really have a comparable number for that on the other social networks. Um, again, that's one of the beautiful things about LinkedIn. We can get into this in a second, um, from an ad targeting perspective, but the amount of information about each of us that LinkedIn has stuff like this being a millionaire, no other social platform has that level of granularity. So to me, that just says, again, this is not just a place for college grads and people that are unemployed looking for jobs. There's a fair amount of affluence here. Um, the, I think the last thing that, again, good just to keep in mind, especially for those that are listening that might be business owners or per, perhaps running a sales organization, there's um, four different subscription levels beyond just the free LinkedIn that we all have access to. So there's the a career, which is around 30 bucks a month. And this is folks that are job hunters looking to, um, um, you know, build their own career. There's a business uh, tier, which is about $48 a month, um, where you get deeper insights and analytics. There's a sales navigator, which is around $65 a month which as it sounds would be uh, perhaps deeper kind of lead generation mining and being able to identify folks that might be potential customers for, um, uh, for from a sales or biz dev perspective. And then there's the fourth is the hiring category or tier, which is $100 a month. And that um, has some integrated hiring features, candidate search and tracking, uh, recommendations for possible candidates. Again, I would imagine if you're um, at a large company company in HR or a small company for that matter, this would be a place to really target potential candidates um, to fill a job. So just kind of good to know there's some different options from a, a subscriber standpoint on LinkedIn. Yeah. 
this is a great overview. Um, you know, I think I, th- I think if you're a corporation, there's obviously a couple of additional options, including you know adding your company page and being able to advertise from there, enterprise HR, sales programs, um, and, and so forth, um, which which uh, you know as as businesses we've used. Um, but uh, but but it's interesting to see you know especially the fact around the subscription model, they are the only social network that really has a subscription model to it. And I would say it grew up as a tool, right? This this sort of place where networking was happening, a 24-hour networking party or whatever you want to reference it as. Um, but they, they are really the only ones that's been able to successfully introduce a subscription tier model and have different reasons for different groups to be able to pay and successfully keep those people over time. Because I know people that have subscribed for years and just kept it on um, because uh, they feel the value from it, which I think is intriguing, um, especially as a business model, because they're getting advertising revenue, they're getting subscription revenue, um, all the while you know, moving towards this more social network where they're looking for engagement and content, um, which is sort of a tricky balance when you get down to it. Um, so yeah, interesting. A lot of good stats there. Do you remember joining LinkedIn? Like when, when way back that was? Uh, I don't remember the date, but I, I likely joined at a similar time as the other social platforms that kind of 07, 08 period. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. But again, I think for a long time, it was really just a digital resume for me. And I didn't, I really didn't engage nearly at the level I do now until like 2017. Yeah, I think I think some of that is because it has just hasn't had the the features to engage at that level either, right? Um, uh, I'm actually curious. Have you ever found a job there? Recruiters reached out to you, nothing like that. Well, no? well, recruiters have reached out. Um, have I taken a job that I found on LinkedIn? No. <laughs> Um, but certainly, yeah, I mean, it's, if nothing else, it's, you know, when you're having a bad day at work, it feeds your ego a little bit to get a recruiter to reach out and say that they think you're great and they love your background. So, you know, that's always nice just to hear, but yeah, I mean, you definitely get pitched for, for sure. A lot of, um, from a lot of sales kind of, you know, digital platforms and all that, but also from recruiters, but no, I've never gotten a job. To be really frank, I mean, this gets into more macro discussion around like job hunting, but I've never gotten a job not knowing an actual human being that was some mm. connection. Might have not been a first degree connection, might have been a friend of a friend. But, yeah. you know, I think that's worth mentioning here. The word networking can become a dirty word, especially for, you know, those of us that are introverts. And that's kind of a harder thing to do. And I actually think, you know, and this isn't LinkedIn's fault or a problem to solve. Frankly, it's more of a societal issue. But I think people can actually rely really heavily on LinkedIn as like their sole networking, you know, arrow in the quiver. And I think it's a compliment to the face to face, you know, pick up the phone like, you know, and so to, to your question, have I ever found a job through LinkedIn? No, but that doesn't surprise me because I think most of the time, you know, you're finding things through um, a combination of digital and human connections. Sure. How about yeah. you? So my last three roles have actually been uh, a recruiter finding me on LinkedIn. Really? And yeah. And so it's interesting because I do I do see that benefit of it. And um and, and probably more in the surgical approach because I've actually applied to things on there, um, you know, in the in the mass of roles that are open and like jobs you're gonna post, right? And um, nary, nary a callback uh, ever seen from any of those. I just feel like it's dumping of resumes into a black hole. However, when 
recruiters are, I think, using the tools, um, they're able to narrow the set and find specific people. And honestly, the last three roles, um, including personal networking, like you're saying, um, but initial, you know, cold calling from recruiter side uh, has actually created the opportunity. So I actually think it's interesting um, because I do think some of that's there uh, for sure. You know, and I think for me overall for LinkedIn, yeah, I don't remember exactly when I joined. It's probably way back. It was probably before we were even at grad school together, right? Um, but you know, I'm, I'm using it a lot more for publishing content, video. I've done, you know, Pulse Publishing. Um, even toyed with the lead gen features um, previously uh, just to see kind of how it works because I think it's interesting. Um, You know, and I I feel like based on these different feature sets and and that they're hitting different audiences, it feels like some are working and some are not based on that Mm -hmm. dialogue off of my video. And and I'm curious, I think we should talk about that. So um, you wanna talk through these reasons why people are on LinkedIn or why businesses are on LinkedIn? Sure. and. And I think this is a nice segue too into some of the discussion around how how you can target uh, um, other audiences um, through LinkedIn as a business. Yeah. Um, so definitely people are using it to find jobs. You Case in point, it's so actually really refreshing and cool to hear that that's how it's worked for you. And here you and I have had, you know, relatively similar trajectories and paths and, and just that's just a great illustration of how different you know, strokes for different folks. So super cool that that has been beneficial for your career. Um, I think finding candidates, like I was mentioning, you know, that's a place I'll definitely look and spread the word, you know, for open positions that I've got. And I'm sure HR, this is their like mothership. Um, Corporate branding and reputation. So this is a little bit of that thought leadership topic that I spoke about at the top, you know, marketing your business, um, telling a story about your company, um, sharing your narrative, again, buzzword but sort of what do we stand for what do we what do we care about why should you engage with us and you know I'll add that's that's a to me that on LinkedIn especially that's a double whammy that's that's a positive in terms of just marketing and brand building and the goodness of you know what you stand for as a company for customers and consumers it's also speaking to potential uh, candidates right? We, we are, you know, you're effectively telling people what it might be like to come work here. And if they're on LinkedIn, they might be thinking about their next job anyway. So I think that's a great, um, LinkedIn's a great platform to do that corporate branding reputation building. Yeah. Yeah. These, these are three great reasons why people only, and they're all different because you've got the job seekers, which could be anywhere from fresh out of college to someone who's been laid off to someone who is actively looking for a new direction or just wants to change. You've got, you know, HR teams who are either broadcasting, um, you know, role openings or they're looking for someone specific like a recruiter is. Um, And then I think, you know, this one, the third one you mentioned is really underutilized. And this is that corporate branding reputation. You see these vacant company pages pages when you go there and they've got a little bit of thing and they've got one video that kind of shows quote corporate culture um you know in in the era of of so much consumer control and content you know coming from 
so many different places, this is really an opportunity for companies to be able to brand themselves in, in a very unique way, to show who they are, to demonstrate what their culture is like, to talk about what it's like a day in the life of the roles that they're posting. So people really get a feel because especially as people have more information and there's candid reviews on Glassdoor and they're trying to talk to why you want to work here, especially in a competitive work environment where unemployment is so low. This is really your opportunity to own your corporate brand and to demonstrate who you are as a business, especially for lesser known non-consumer brands who may be looking for talent, but they don't necessarily have the kind of marketplace brand um, that someone may be looking for on quote the resume builder side of things. So um, mm-hmm. huge opportunity. I've had the opportunity to work on those types of plans and, um, and just just a lot of space for improvement um, and, and growth for a lot of businesses to be able to engage there. Um, you know, I think there's three other ones that you and I have talked about, and this one, this next one relates to the the one we just referenced on the corporate side is personal branding. Um, and and we referenced this in talking about the social executive and why executives and managers and directors and anyone who really wants to move their career forward, even entrepreneurs talking about their business and driving thought leadership in their space branding themselves and communicating who they are, their point of view on LinkedIn. And I think that's super important uh, when you look at marketing yourself, building your reputation. I know these are things that, again, even more so why we've recently engaged because we're talking about our podcast and we're you know developing um, our further personal brands in our space as executives. And this is something that you know you see a lot of the content creators starting to do more specifically is caring more for their personal brand um, and doing it so on LinkedIn. Um, another one, and we touched on, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add to that. I I think there's also been a, a, a shift where for a long time, like probably pre-social media, executives of companies, I, I feel like they felt that my job is really to be running the company. And so if the company is running well operationally and financially, I've done my job. And I, I just in the last five years, but certainly since social launched in, in sort of the digital space, I, I think executives are realizing now you you are a face of the company and your you know your interests your point of view your um style all of that actually affects even the financials of a brand and and the way the customers and your consumers see you so i think um this this brand building with executives we again we did have a whole episode about this very thing but i the it's cool to see that leaders are really feeling empowered to build a personal brand. And that's not a selfish thing. That doesn't mean because they're trying to like get a new job. They actually realize they are a human face of their entire corporation as a leader. And so you have power in your personal voice as a representative. So LinkedIn, I think is a great spot for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The next one, um, Point number four, or I'm sorry, five here is leads, sales, business development. Honestly, this is one of the drivers for me for making the quick video uh, was the frustration that I feel like a lot of times the only thing I get on LinkedIn is sales pitches. And I don't know if it's because you put that your title there and you put your thing and you're you're open to receiving, you know, mail from people or whatever. Um, but but anywhere from seven to 15 different sales pitches a week uh, from different groups looking for an opportunity for an intro. And um, look, I get the role. I understand the role of sales and, and this. But in some ways, I feel like LinkedIn um, makes this almost a little too easy uh, for people to just be able to um, 
uh, hit very, very many people at the same time by buying batches of in-mails or making relationship connections and then hitting you up for X, Y, Z. But, um, but aside from my personal commentary, LinkedIn has built a significant business, and this is really where Microsoft is going with the CRM piece of that, the lead generation and management, where they're probably looking to compete a little bit with the Salesforce, Marketo, HubSpot side of the world in terms of lead nurturing, uh, discovery, uh, building out the sales funnel uh, for these groups and, and kind of the business development side of the business. So just nothing but opportunity here and probably one of their biggest um, revenue drivers in the near future. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that. I, you know, we haven't touched on how marketers can use LinkedIn as um, a targeting tool for content. And I think this really speaks to what you just brought up around using it for lead gen. Because again, the, the demographic and psychographic information that LinkedIn has about its audience is so uh, tight and specific, you know, down to the title, the industry, the company, how much money you make, how many direct reports you have, what skills you've been endorsed for, the amount of information that can be utilized to really refine your targeting pool when you're buying paid media as a business. And that, that it's remarkable. And to me, that is where the power of it, it being a sales tool comes in or biz dev tool comes into play because you, you have very little waste versus a lot of the other social platforms where you have to cast a much wider net. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last up, sixth use of LinkedIn is actually the point number two from way back when LinkedIn was set in the roadmap in 2014, which is networking. Um, networking with business types, thought leaders, like-minded individuals just like you, um, really spending time to build your network, grow connections, sort of the new Rolodex, as it were, if that's even still a term, uh, where people are outreaching to um, the people that they wanna connect with for whatever reason. And um, some of it may be selfish in, in terms of um, they, they have a specific motivation to get something from that person, maybe like a sales thing or whatnot, or a, a specific business driver. Um, and some of it may just be, um, you know, trying to learn more from that person or understand who they are, uh, which is really, you know, a huge benefit. And this goes back to um, one of the, the major points that even came through in the comments on the video, which is this is really one of the best places as a 24-7 networking event that you can treat it as um, such an engaging space to meet new people, to find new people that are like you and um, and grow your personal network. Yep. So what, what do we feel about this list? Does this feel like it's comprehensive in terms of the totality of what you can do on LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah, again, it's funny when you list them all together like this, these six bullets, you do realize how many different things the platform is being used for. And it does beg the question that we brought up at the top of the hour around, is LinkedIn kind of a confused space right now? Um, what do they want to be when they grow up? We haven't even mentioned there's other programs that I know they've pitched, and I'm sure you've you've had the same discussions for some of the brands I've worked for around things like influencer programs. You know, you can you can enlist your executives and leaders into these qualified influencer programs where they get additional reach and they get special access to other people at their same title and all this. 
um, LinkedIn Elevate, it's called. Um, they also have employee advocacy platforms. So we've talked about that a little bit in past episodes around, you know, people like Dynamic Signal and Sprinkler and those um, companies that help with employee advocacy. Well, LinkedIn has pitched that as well as a, another tool. So there's a lot of things they want to be. And I do think that in the next like 18 to 24 months, um, as they settle in further with Microsoft and um, again, continue to, to grow in usage, they kind of need to pick a few things and do them really well and perhaps not spread themselves so thin. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot going on, um, which is why we think LinkedIn's confused. So next week, we're going to go into the tally of comments from my WTF video and really get to this broader topic of what should they be? What do we think that they're doing? Where are people finding value? And is LinkedIn really helping people develop their network? Are they finding jobs there? Are they growing uh, in terms of personal self? Are they becoming who they wanna be on LinkedIn? Or is it really just starting to turn into this Facebook for the white collar crowd? So tune in next week when you guys hear more about that. Um, If you want to follow us, hit us up. I'm Tuck Ross on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Jessica, you're JKB Jensen on Twitter. And you can also look her up on LinkedIn because we're both there engaging. Um, And always, we love your feedback and input. Email us. If we miss something you want us to discuss in a future episode, hit us up at info at socialcurrencyshow.com. We always love to hear your ideas and appreciate your feedback. And if you got something out of value of today's show, leave us a review on iTunes. Really appreciate you guys listening and tune in next week for the next part of this two-part LinkedIn episode. Thank you guys for listening. See you later, Jess. Bye, Tech. Talk to you soon. You just listened to Social Currency, a podcast with Tuck Ross and Jess Jensen. Like what you hear? Subscribe to Social Currency in your favorite podcast app and please leave a review on iTunes. Have a question for the show? Want to ask about a specific topic? Email us at info at socialcurrencyshow.com. If we include it in an upcoming episode, we will send you something awesome. Thanks for tuning in and remember to check out the full show notes with all the links that we referenced at socialcurrencyshow.com. That was that was a, a good executive decision. <laughs> <laughs>